0: Reactive Redefined is our online coaching program for reactive dogs and their guardians. If you would like to join Reactive Redefined, it will reopen for enrollment on Monday, July 5th. Uh, reactive Redefined will be open for enrollment for just a couple of days. Enrollment will close on Friday, July 9th. So if you'd like to be on the official wait list to be the first to join Reactive Redefined when it opens, head over to our website, agoodfeelingdogtraining.com reactive Redefined. All right, Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. I am your host, Rachel Ari Harris, and I have a pretty spectacular guest with me today. We're going to talk all about our online coaching program for reactive dogs and their guardians called Reactive Redefined. Reactive Redefined works in groups and there's online course content it's awesome so if you have a reactive dog check out the free mini course to kind of get a sample of what the full course will look like and then um you can hear about the experience and maybe that can sway you to join the program so um savannah and bob participated in the last round of reactive redefined um which was i was trying to think about this was it april no no no. february march April. yeah. yeah 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 okay So, um, Savannah, do you want to just introduce yourself a little bit and tell everybody a little bit about your
1: boy, Bob? Yeah. um, So we have a Mastiff mix named Bob. Um, He's coming up on six years old this October. Um, We adopted him in 2016. Um, My then boyfriend at the time and I were moving into our first place together, and I was of the mindset that we should just rip the bandaid off and if we're gonna move in together we should also just get a puppy at the same time um so we adopted him uh when he was three to four months old um the shelter had said that they found him kind of dumpster diving in central california and he had been popping around a different foster home um week after week and he was just like a big teddy bear i'll have to send you a picture he has like the biggest butt and it's just the biggest teddy bear um But yeah, we adopted him and lived in San Francisco at the time. And he just kind of thrived as a city dog. Um, He came to work with us, used to sit in coffee shops all the time with me, um, was the social butterfly at the dog park. Um, So he was all around kind of like the perfect puppy when we first adopted him. Obviously, things kind of changed later on down the line, um, but he's been a huge blessing ever since we got him.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. You guys will be sure to include a picture so you can see Bob and all his glory, but, um, okay. So what was the age range Savannah, when you feel like there was like a significant change in who he was?
1: Yeah. Um, probably around two years old. Um, so when we got him, um, about a year later, he started showing some signs that he was uncomfortable in his like front elbow areas. So we had, gone through a bunch of vet appointments and had learned that it wasn't unusual for a dog of his size to have elbow dysplasia. So like where the cartilage is just a little bit funky at his front elbows. Um, So he had his first surgery, if you want to say that, in 2017 at about a year old, where they just kind of went in, scoped and cleaned out his elbows. That went perfectly fine. He recovered from that pretty easily, continued going to the dog park with the dog walker, no signs of reactivity were really showing then. And then about a year later, um, he had basically, it's like the equivalent of tearing your ACL. Um, and he had TPLO surgery on his back leg, which is when we kind of started to notice different behaviors starting to come out that were leading toward more reactivity. So that happened in 2018. And we started to kind of shift some of, you know, just his like daily, lifestyle, um, coming out of that surgery. And then about a year after that, um, what they do in TPLO surgery is put in like a metal plate to kind of help promote healing in the joint. And that was, it had done its job, but it was starting to rub against the joint now and was causing a lot of pain. So he had another surgery to remove that plate, um, in 2019. And then after that, he was just kind of like I'm done with all this fuss. I am cranky. I am not happy. Um, And that's when we really started to kind of see his reactivity increase um, a lot. And I think that, you know, we've talked a lot in the class about like, is your dog fear-based reactive? Is he like, where is that reactivity coming from? And I think we've kind of pinpointed that he was just really uncomfortable, um, kind of pain-based and also he felt fearful of, you know, being challenged or he felt defensive. So after that third surgery where he was just feeling really sensitive, it just kind of kept escalating.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, it's so brutal when we talk about like the large breed dogs and unfortunately just the things that happen physically to them. And like, yeah. I know a lot of the listeners have gone through, if not one TPLO, but two TPLOs with their dogs. So I know a lot of people can totally commiserate <laughs> with like how brutal that is on everyone. Um, yeah, so and, and I think that like the one-year-old surgery, it's nice that it went well, but that's still a pretty impressive, impressionable age, right? Yeah. We, like okay, now I'm out. And then to have two more surgeries, bless his freaking heart.
1: Yeah. (laughs) We definitely became regulars at the vet. Um, just not the best, but yeah, he was a, he was a trooper, but you, you want to do the best for them. And you're like, this is going to make them feel so much better physically maybe, but mentally it definitely had some repercussions that we weren't necessarily prepared for, especially knowing we didn't adopt him as a reactive dog. He never had any issues with dogs. He's always loved people. Um, so that to have him then kind of develop this reactivity was like a, a pretty rude awakening all of a sudden to kind of wake up and see these behaviors start escalating and not being prepared to really know how to deal with them.
0: Yeah. Right. And it's like, you know, obviously you can empathize with him. Like why, like why it's happening, right? Like the physical and the emotional motivation, but there's also the physical reality of he's a big ass dog and you have to be responsible for keeping him together in public.
1: Yeah, definitely. we had initially, um, the first sign of reactivity we saw, um, was with a family friend. They had a male dog and we were playing in the backyard with a football and One of us didn't catch it and the both dogs had ran for the football at the same time and when they both had arrived at the toy at the same time it kind of had resulted in this scuffle where we had to pull them apart and that was the first time we started to kind of put pieces together as we saw him not be as friendly with toys at the dog park or we started to notice you know he's great with females he loves senior male dogs but male dogs his age started to become what we now know as a trigger Um, but we started to kind of try to piece information together of like, okay, toys are weird. Male dogs are weird. Where is this all coming from? It was like a crime scene of like, how do all these things like start going together? And where is all this like coming from?
0: Well, it is. It's so freaking overwhelming when you're so spoiled with like it being so (laughs) easy in the early days, right? Like who is this dog? What is happening? And I think yeah. there's like, you know, there's the, the human guilt end where we feel like, did we make this happen? Did we do this? And like, I feel yeah. like that's something that we definitely, I really wanted to like get clear for you in our initial one-on-one call. I was like, listen, it's really nothing that you did. Right. Like it's who he is as a genetic individual. It's who he, he is through all the surgeries he's had to go through. Right. And like you know, I think that that's really important because I work with so many clients who just cannot understand, like, why is this dog so different now? And I really have to commend you because you already knew, like when I met you, you're like, yep, this is what's triggering. This is what's triggering. Like you knew, right. And to your point, you do, you have to be a detective. And that's something that we do inside of reactive redefine for everyone listening is we, we get really critical about what is triggering. (laughs) right? How triggering is it? And how can we work through that? And we do, we have to collect all of that data to effectively serve our reactive dogs.
1: Yeah. And it's nice to have those list of triggers now, but those are definitely collected over a long period of trial and error. And I mean, looking back at it, at least now we can kind of understand, like, there are things that we, in hindsight, probably shouldn't have pushed or shouldn't have kept doing, but Did anyways at the time and that's how we kind of learned what his triggers were so it's hard to kind of look back and be like oh yeah he he got into this scuffle one time at the dog park but let's try again and after trying three or four more times and each time we're leaving the dog park because he's having issues with other dogs it's like we probably should have learned after the first or second time but you have that guilt of but you know he grew up as a dog park dog he loves other dogs there must be something weird going on so it's it's a weird balance of you want them to have the life that they've always had, but things change. And I feel more guilt now over, you know, pushing it than if I would have just been like, Hey, it's okay that he isn't a dog park dog anymore. Like there was this like part of me that didn't want to let go that he just isn't a dog dog anymore, even though he used to be. And so it was more like the human aspect of having to let go things that I didn't want to like face than him clearly saying like, I do not want to be here anymore. Like take me home.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. And it's hard. Right. Because like
1: we get, we are
0: creatures of habit just like our dogs are. And we get in the habit of root and routine of like, we go to the dog park, they get to run around, they get to have fun. And like, I think that that's a really brutal lifestyle change. Right. And like, like, okay, cool. So we have to reevaluate our entire schedule, like <laughs> routine, but here we are. Here we yeah. Are. Yeah. Oh exactly. Okay. So, Savannah, can you tell everybody what? Um, Bob, well, let's kind of talk about a spectrum here because I know that y'all have made a lot of progress, but like initially the reactivity, we're seeing it towards like certain male dogs. Can you give the listeners just kind of like a a picture of some of the other things that were um, triggering to him? Cause you guys were in the Bay at that point too, right? Like, it's not like you could like avoid life. You live in a busy city
1: yeah so at the time when this first started presenting itself we lived in a pretty dense neighborhood um, with a lot of dogs we lived right across the street from a dog park so coming into contact with dogs every day was just kind of part of what our day-to-day routine looked like Um, so when he started showing some early signs of reactivity it started off with just either growling or um, he one thing he still does is he does this like anxious kind of whine and starts to kind of like pick up his pace a little bit. And then when we really started to see it escalate, whether it was a dog that was a trigger or if, you know, we had tried to do like an on-leash greeting and that didn't go well, he would do his like lunge and bark. Um, You would see teeth. Um, He's obviously big. He's like 85 to 90 pounds. So trying to kind of pull him off from lunging at another dog starts to get really big, really animated. Um, and then aside from dogs, you know, skateboards, squirrels, cats, um, those are some of his other triggers that we've since learned are more kind of related to just who he is as a dog breed. You know, we've tried really hard to try and work on squirrels and have kind of gotten to the point where we're like, he's never just going to look at a squirrel and be like, yeah, that's cool. I'm fine. And so like, what are some ways that we can at least just like embrace it? Whereas, you know, the dogs and the skateboards are a little bit more manageable, but all of it is very vocal, a lot of whining, growling, barking. Um, and then we usually see a lot of lunging, a lot of teeth, um, at least in his more severe reactivity.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's hard, right? Because like, He's 85 pounds and he's yeah. lunging at the end of the leash. And like, it's this huge presentation, right? Like it looks hella menacing. Yeah. You don't like understand who he is. And that's a lot, totally. right? When you have to be like, sorry, people, we didn't mean for the giant dog to lunge at you, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And you know, it's, it's not right or fair, but when you have a big ass dog, especially one that has a blocky head, there is, there's just more societal pressure.
1: Totally. When they're Yeah. You feel bad. And, you know, as a puppy and whenever he still was kind of in earlier stages of life, he used to go with me everywhere. We would sit inside restaurants and he would just sleep underneath the table. But as he started to get more reactive, he, it just was less manageable. And eventually, you know, with everything happening with his reactivity and COVID, just the pieces aligned and we were able to move into a more suburban neighborhood where, running into dogs was less likely. And in, on one hand, that was great because we just didn't have the day-to-day trials of like, is there gonna be a dog right outside of our apartment building? On the other hand, he is social and he does have a group of dogs that he does like to play with and that he really gets along with. So taking him away from that, we felt that he was really lonely. He kind of just wasn't acting like himself. We obviously couldn't take him to the dog park finding a dog walker for a reactive dog is just like something I haven't been able to come to terms with trying to figure out yet. So we eventually decided that we were going to adopt another dog, which six months later was a great decision, but that was a whole nother thing to try and navigate is how do we introduce a new dog into a household with a reactive dog who doesn't do well with new dogs. So that was a whole nother thing we had to try and navigate.
0: Oh my God. Okay. So do you want to give the listeners just kind of like a brief overview of like how y'all brought Buffy into the picture?
1: Yes. Um, so we decided after we had been in the suburbs for a few months, um, we just noticed, you know, he wasn't as playful. He wasn't as, um, he just wasn't himself. And we had decided that we had wanted a second dog for a long time. And now that we had more space, it just kind of seemed like the perfect opportunity. So we had found a rescue that was um, that had Buffy. She was a like two month old puppy who had just gone through a pretty severe case of sepsis and parvo. And she just, we saw her online and we're like, we have to go meet her. So we took Bob to go meet her. They really hit it off. Um, thinking about it now, I feel like I did a ton of research on, you know, like how to introduce a new dog to your family and was so prepared. Um, so we got them home and, they just had hit it off really well that I think my husband and I were like, great, this went way better than we thought, like guards are down. Um, And a few hours after we had brought her home, they were just hanging out in the backyard chilling and Bob was laying down and she had kind of walked up behind him and stepped over his body on the leg. That is the most sensitive, it's his back leg where he had his TPLO surgery. And he just kind of snapped. And it's something that we've seen before with him with kind of new and strange dogs. Um, and it was pretty traumatic. Um, she was fine. He had kind of clipped her ear a bit, which the ear is just more sensitive. So it bleeds more. So it looked a lot worse than it actually was, but it was a gush blood. Oh my Yeah. Gosh. It oh. was like really scary. She had been home for like four hours. He's huge. She's so small. And I was convinced that we were going to have to take her back. That was kind of like the, we had had conversations after situations at the dog park of like, okay, he needs some sort of help. We need to be more diligent in training. And we would always, you know, take three steps forward and then things would start looking up and we would kind of fall off the wagon. But this was kind of this thing where like, we made this commitment to this new puppy to keep her safe we have always had this commitment to keep bob safe something is not working and that was kind of the catalyst of like we need to do something more long term and make a commitment for bob's reactivity which is how we found reactive Find. and fast forward six months they are now inseparable she crawls all over him they wrestle they sleep together like they are best friends but it was like I cried in the bathroom for probably three weeks every day, convinced we were going to have to take her back. Cause I was just like, I can't trust him. I'm nervous. And we've just been able to grow so much since then that I can trust them alone for hours, knowing that nothing is going to (laughs) happen.
0: Oh God. And I I love, I love your honesty on that. Right. Because I think that so much, so many of us Uh, myself included, right? Like I used to have a reactive dog, Sunny. I brought Waylon into the picture. Sunny bit Waylon. He needed stitches. You're Mm -hmm. like, oh my God. Okay. (laughs) What the hell am I going to do this? Right. Um, So everyone listening, right. We're all doing our best, right? Sometimes bring dogs in and it goes well, and sometimes it doesn't always go well and that's okay. Right. We're doing the best that we can. (laughs) So so no, you are not alone. Okay. So uh, Savannah, I don't think I know this. How did you guys find me?
1: Um, Through Instagram, which is, I mean, one of those things that's like a, it's a great place and a great resource. Like I've been able to figure out so many different things about like just Bob as a dog and things like enrichment tools and like a community of other people who have reactive dog owners. And then there's always that like dark side of Instagram of like people who claim to be dog trainers. And you're like, this is terrifying. Um, but through, I think I was following another um, dog trainer and there's that like option on Instagram where you can kind of click to see like similar accounts. And we had stumbled on your account and Waylon actually looks pretty similar to Bob and sent up some of his pictures. And so I was like, this dog is adorable. I was like flipping through and showing my husband. And we were like, oh, she does like, Reactive training. Wait, this is actually way better than we thought. And so um we had kind of dug into what the course was, listened to some of the podcast episodes. And we were like, this is exactly what we've been looking for. Cause he went through his puppy training and there's other training that we've done, but trying to find a trainer who does fear-free and positive reinforcement, but also helps work on like aggression and reactivity is something that has been really hard for us to find, especially during COVID where we can't be in person, we were really skeptical of like, how do we show someone what his reactivity looks like? How do we practice with other dogs? And in hindsight, it's not about that, but we were just like, okay, this is exactly what we're looking for. And other people have done this during COVID. Like we need to make this work.
0: (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. Okay. (laughs) for everyone listening who maybe has those similar questions, right? Like how the hell does a virtual program work? Right. So for to give you all feedback, I require a lot of my students in, in the way of video progress, right? Like I literally go on virtual walks with everyone. I want to see what's happening. I want to see the not so good stuff. I want to see the good stuff. And I give weekly tweaks of like, try this, maybe this can work. And it's all individualized, right? So I think that it's really easy to give like general overarching advice, but in the program, there is some general overarching advice, but I'm always honoring who the human and the dog is in the situation when I'm giving advice. So Savannah, do you want to kind of speak to like how that was like on the receiving end of like, you know, the video feedback
1: and the tweaks that I was
0: giving?
1: Yeah, yeah I think that's the most, um. Like that is the one thing that we've really taken away and still do now is, um, the video aspect of just on walks, whether you're kind of just doing your neighborhood walk or your hike walk, or, you know, you're going to encounter a trigger being able to videotape your dog and their body language during those interactions was so important. I think, you know, I take Bob on walks. Sometimes my husband takes Bob on walks and he's very different in terms of how he reacts and his body language, depending on who's walking him. So being able to kind of see like, oh, this is how he was when Will was walking him versus when I was walking him, or this is how he reacted to a male dog when my husband was walking him versus me. just like those little things that we were able to kind of like dissect from the videos was huge. Cause in the moment when you're going through a reactive episode, you're just like holding onto the leash for dear life and you don't really see what's happening. So being able to see that back on video and kind of understand like, oh, his ears pricked up. I probably should have brought a high value treat into the situation five seconds earlier and would have been able to avoid that. And then can apply that to the next time was like huge. And then being able to see, you know, some of the other dogs in the program had different reactivity issues than Bob, but the ones that had similar issues, being able to watch them and take little pieces of advice that you were giving to them and apply it to us. If we had a week where, you know, we weren't able to video or we didn't get a good reaction, being able to take some of the advice from maybe someone who did have a good week where they were able to get a lot of that on video was really, really valuable. Um, and just kind of seeing how important the body language aspect of, um, that all is, was huge.
0: Yeah. And I think something that we troubleshooted a lot for Bob was like, literally just like treat delivery, right? Like, are we going to put it in the mouth? Are we going to put it on the ground? Here's when, why, how we would make those tweaks, right? And like, it's those super subtle details that like, you know, everyone listening, I could say, try a cookie toss, but that's so general, right? But if I can see in the moment, the video, I can know the dog, I can know the person, I can know the motivation for the behavior, you know, it it seems so small, but those small little tweaks are like everything in preventing yeah. reactions. And I think too, you know, building your confidence. So, Samantha, I know that like you were feeling pretty overwhelmed walking an eighty-five pound dog, right? Yeah. So, like, do you want to speak just a little bit of like what that was like for you, like emotionally, to like feel like you actually had the skill sets to like navigate if he, you know, worst case scenario, went over threshold and lost his shit.
1: Yeah, I think physically what, like, I, we use a harness on him. So I don't, I know if like shit hits the fan, if I just like, we call it like luggaging. If I just hold the top of his harness, like a luggage, like there, he's not going anywhere. But like, sometimes if he sees a scroll, like I need to like sit down on the ground and hold the leash. Cause he's just like, he needs to get it out of his system. The physical aspect of it has been okay. Just knowing I don't think I'm ever going to lose him, but I think there's a mental aspect of it. Like if someone else is walking by me and he's freaking out, I used to feel so self-conscious and embarrassed by him having these like reactivity episodes that eventually it kind of got to the point before we joined the course where I didn't really want to like take him in super public places, or I would want to wake up super early for a hike to make sure we didn't run into anyone, which in some situation works, but For him who used to be super social and loves people, it was kind of a bummer to try and like avoid any sort of attention at all costs. So I think there's a section in the course about like, you just have to like advocate for your dog and people are going to look at you like you're crazy sometimes. And like, as long as he's not hurting anyone, I had to just swallow that pill of like, I might look crazy or I might look out of control, but like I have things under control and it's just what we have to go through on that walk to like get through it. So I think that was the biggest thing. And being in the courses and hearing that, you know, 10 other people were going through the same thing made me feel a lot better. And like, I wasn't the only one who had a reactive dog. So that mentorship of being okay with that was like, I think that was the biggest difference.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's something that's like unique to reactive redefined (laughs) is that like we talk about the realities of like the emotional roller coaster on our end, right? Yeah. Like, of course, we talk about the dog. Of course, I give you all those skills, but like, you have to feel empowered as the human, right? And like, that's an, an important part of the equation here. So yeah, I'm, so, you know, and I think the videos too, like when we go back and we see the reactions, we're like, oh my God, that felt like it lasted for like 15 <laughs> minutes and it yeah. lasted for like, Five seconds. So, yeah, right. Like, just kind of taking some of like the emotional weight out of the reaction and realizing, like, sometimes sometimes the dog is just going to bark at luncheon people. Right. Like, we're doing our best. Yeah. Here. The goal is to exactly. get like those marges down, but sometimes it happens. And I think you know, like,
1: normalizing dogs having emotions. Right. Like. Yeah. Exactly. I think I always I grew up with dogs, and you know, a lot of our friends have dogs, and. Most of the dogs that we have in kind of our life are not reactive. And so I think I always just assumed like reactive dogs were very rare and like, I don't come into contact with them very often. And all dogs should be able to, you know, go up to another dog off leash or say hi to another dog on leash. And, you know, moving back into a city, I've started to notice, like, if I'm walking down the street with Bob nine times out of 10, if we're walking up on another dog approaching us, someone else will walk across the street and they'll take themselves out of the situation. So I've started to kind of notice like not everyone is trying to have their dog say hi to us. Not everyone has a friendly dog either. So that's kind of helped me feel a little bit better about our situation that dogs don't all have to get along and it's okay. Everyone is kind of going through their own thing. And as long as I can kind of just come to terms with that, it's been a lot easier to kind of navigate, you know, hikes, walks, going to coffee shops, things like that.
0: Yeah. So, um, so do you want to tell all the listeners where you guys are located now?
1: Yeah. So we moved to Portland about, um, two and a half months ago. So we used to live in San Francisco, moved to the suburbs in the East Bay. And now we're kind of back in this like middle ground of city and suburbs, um, which we were a bit nervous about after taking Bob out of the city where he wasn't getting as much exposure to, people and dogs um but we finished the course about a week before we moved to portland and that was a game changer we um you know we go to coffee shops every morning with him where he's obviously coming into contact not face-to-face contact but closer contact than we have been in a long time with other dogs and it's just been it's been a huge relief to know that like we can take him places with us again and we know that we can walk by a dog on the street and it's not going to lose it. Um, I think being in a city and getting that exposure for him again has been really great.
0: Yeah. Right. And I think that like a lot of people will hear like, okay, you need to go to really quiet places for now. Right. And I just, I want to encourage everyone listening to know that like these are short-term strategies, right? Like I'm never going to tell you, you can't ever take your dog places where there are other people or dogs, because that is not a world we live in, unless you live in like rural America and you can really avoid people. Like, you know, I I, I like to think that we can kind of blend like the perfect world of what we would do for a reactive redefined and the reality of living in the world with a (laughs) reactive dog. Right. And like, accomplishing both right like doing our best to manage environments but knowing that that's not always going to have to be the long-term plan
1: yeah yeah and there's days where like he i like to think that like physically he's recovered from those surgeries but there's definitely days where you know he's a bit stiffer or he is maybe showing some favor to that back leg so if he is feeling like he's a little bit off those are days that will maybe go somewhere where there aren't other dogs we've kind of found that if he's feeling a bit more sensitive that's when he's usually on the defense and can be a bit more reactive so I think it's also just figuring out like does he seem like in a good mood today okay cool we'll try something that's a little bit busier did he have a shitty night's sleep is he limping like okay maybe maybe we don't go for a walk maybe we just like do enrichment stuff at home and play in the backyard so figuring out like I always used to think that like, we have to go for a walk every day or a hike or the dog park, but some days he just needs to like sleep it off and go hang out in the backyard, which is totally okay too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, do you want to just tell the listeners, are you guys doing anything like pain management wise for him or you're doing supplements or
1: Yes. Um, so we started doing acupuncture for him about a year ago, I want to say maybe a little bit less than a year. Um, so he was starting to get acupuncture and laser therapy and some, um, supplements as well. And we've seen a huge difference with the acupuncture. Um, we initially were using more pain meditate medication, excuse me, type, um, of kind of treatment to kind of help some of the pain that he would be showing. And we just didn't want him to be on pain meds every day, all day for the rest of his life. So we started trying to figure out like, what are some more natural things that we can do to help alleviate some of that pain? So the acupuncture has been huge. He's still a little bit stiff the day after his treatments, but it's been a game changer. Um, And then he's on supplements. If we know that he's going on like a big hike or something like that, or if he's been roughhousing a lot with Buffy we do give him an anti-inflammatory but it's way less than what we had to do a year and a half ago when we just felt like we were just drugging him up and he just wasn't himself so we really wanted to get him down to like the lowest dose possible where he could just really be himself be present and not kind of be bogged down by all that
0: yeah guys and I think that that's a super huge element and Bob is such a good example of that right is that like we cannot negate what's happening with our dogs physically. Right. And like for Bob, that was really the crux of all of this, wasn't it? Right. was Mm -hmm. the physical pain, right? Like that's what really was the the early manifestations of the reactivity. So I am so freaking delighted to hear that acupuncture (laughs) has been so good for him. So everyone listening, if you follow me on the gram, you already have heard me say this a bazillion times, but if you can get in contact with a veterinarian who practices chiropractic massage acupuncture, if they have a laser, I mean, incredible, right? Like it is amazing what we can do for the dog's physical bodies. Right. And then in turn, your life gets to be a little bit easier because he's feeling better and hopefully less reactive. Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. So do you want to just kind of give um, the listeners a little bit more of an idea of like where you're at as far as like, okay, so you can be in the city, you can be around more dogs, but, um, you're still doing training. Like, are you still focusing on look at that high rates of reinforcement just kind of give everybody an idea of like the progression and kind of like what you're maintaining of all of the training we did together.
1: Yeah. So the biggest thing for us going into Active Redefined was just, you know, when we first started the course, if we were walking on one side of the street and another dog was on and the opposite side of the street, he would lose his head. He would lunge, he would bark. Um, it would take him a bit longer to kind of get back into his rhythm. And now we're at a point where, you know, a dog can be barking in his face six feet away and he'll display some whining, but he, it's pretty rare now that he goes over threshold because of a dog. Um, so we're still working on kind of closing that gap of distance. We, We still are on the safer side of, you know, staying on our side of the street. If there's a dog, particularly bigger dogs, which can be a trigger, we'll still kind of switch sides of the street. So we're really working on trying to close that distance and be able to, you know, pass a dog within a few feet. So that's kind of where we're at dog-wise. We have noticed... He loves the car. Um, He's always loved the car, which means that he's a little bit more protective of the car. So, we're working through how to kind of deal with the reactivity to dogs walking by the car. Um, And then, cats and squirrels are just going to always be one of those things that we're just like maintaining a level of like sanity. It's he's never going to be perfect, but it's something we're still just kind of actively working on. And the the look at that has been huge, but also the the kind of the idea of rewarding them by letting them go to the area where there's like a squirrel or a cat has actually helped a lot um, versus trying to get him to continue moving forward after seeing a squirrel up this tree. It's just like, it's a no-go. He will lay down and it's impossible to get him up. So just trying to figure out like those interesting ways to make him feel like he got something out of it. So those are kind of the areas that we're still working on now. But I would say like the look at that has been huge. That was like the first thing that really broke the barrier of him being able to look at another dog and realize like, Oh, nothing bad is happening. This is okay. Um, And then I think the pull-off is something we still use a lot, um, especially on hikes, which we love to do, but it was something we really scaled back just since some of the trails are really narrow and we didn't know how to really, interact with dogs on the trail if we ran into them. And one of the things we learned in the class was pull off trying to find a safe space where we can leave the trail without him having a reaction and let other people by. And that's something we do in the city even with a huge sidewalk because it just gives us a chance to you know, regroup, look at the dog, kind of get our ducks in a row and be able to keep moving. Um, so that one's been really huge even now that we're in the city and still on hikes. Oh my God. I'm so delighted
0: to hear that. (laughs) Y'all have made so much progress. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and for all of the listeners, I think it's really important to understand that like reactivity may look the same on the surface, but to your point, right? Like the reactivity to the squirrels and the cats, we had a way different game plan for that than we did for the dogs, right? Like there is some general overlap, but you know, for everyone who's listening, maybe you're like, okay, you know, can she help me with both? We can. I mean, really it's like, when we, we have our initial one-on-one, we're like laying on us. What is every single thing that your dog could possibly react to? And let's come up with some plans, right? And sometimes that's short-term plans, but then we help you understand like the long-term trajectory of that. And I'm so delighted to hear that you all are just like running with that. And I mean, (laughs) six that's, that's a crazy threshold closing for you guys.
1: Yeah. It's been, it's, been really like emotional in a good way I think just having another dog and wanting to be able to like do things in a new city all of us together I think there was this big fear of like we're gonna have to leave him at home like that's not what he's used to but being able to like not every outing is perfect but it's kind of nice to be able to use those types of like excursions or outings as an opportunity to train through up so we always come home with some sort of experience whether it was he lost a shit at something or he did a really good job and like met a dog, which is just like crazy. So I think just we try and do something anytime that we're out of the house, whether it's good or bad. And that like, just knowing that we have the tools to navigate it, whether he does a really good job or it doesn't go as smoothly has been nice just to know, like, even if he does lose his head, it's okay. Like we have cream cheese, salami, dog kibble like we are prepared to like be able to figure out how to navigate it whatever happens has been like invaluable
0: oh my god that is amazing (laughs) I'm so freaking proud of you all okay so do you have any advice for reactive dog owners that are listening and maybe are where you were last year yeah I
1: would say I mean if you're looking to work through the reactivity I would really just like I had a list of things that we could potentially try to do and we would always kind of go through it and be like, yeah, like we'll eventually reach out to a trainer Oh, like we'll eventually do this. I would say just do something, like just sign up for a class, sign up for Reactive Redefine, like get started and involved in something. I think the community aspect of the course is so, so valuable. And I think that's one of the biggest things is just... Your dog is not the only reactive dog out there. And I know sometimes it feels shitty when, like, other people's dogs can go to the barbecue and you have to leave yours at home and you wonder, like, why your dog is like this. But I think just remembering, like, there is hundreds of other people who have dogs that are probably in a worse state than yours, like, it's gonna be okay. And as long as they're happy, like, you'll find a way to make it work however you need to, based on your lifestyle and whatever you need to do to make sure they're happy is it's worth it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, you know, just kind of as a final thought here, you guys, um, every reactive redefined participant gets lifetime access to the course content. So we meet you where you're at and we give you stuff you can work on right away. But then when you're ready to take things maybe to the next level or work on a new skill set even after the group calls are done, we still support you that way. Right. So, you know, yeah. no matter where you are at in life right now, time commitment, energy wise, like we got you, we'll meet you where you're at and we can really support you along the way. Um, okay. So Savannah, if people wanted to connect with you, um, can they find you on Instagram?
1: Yes. Um, I post a ton of stuff about Bob and Buffy. Um, I,
0: I'm frantically
1: looking at my Instagram handle because I'm not sure what it is. It is at Savannah Scarlet Shirt. If you want to see Bob and Buffy and all the fun stuff that we do.
0: Amazing. Oh my God. Savannah, thank you for being such a wonderful human being and giving thanks Bob for having that me
1: life. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you for everything. We would not be, we would not be in this space if it wasn't for the class. And it is a much more peaceful and relaxing place to be. <laughs>
0: reactive dog guardians. If your dog lunges, barks, generally loses it. The dogs, people, squirrels, skateboards. We have a free mini course just for you. Head over to a goodfeelingdogtraining.com, Click free resource to get started on your reactive dog training journey today. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show.